So Money Episode 967, Karen Kahn, founder and CEO of iFundWomen. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. No early, early stage proof of concept founder should go into debt funding their thing. You just shouldn't. 92% of startups fail, and that's totally fine. But what isn't fine is failing going into credit card debt. You're listening to So Money, everybody. Welcome back to the show. You just heard from Karen Kahn. She is the founder and CEO of iFundWomen. Anyone out there looking to raise money for their startup? Not sure what to do about it because, as we know, so few of the startup seed money goes to women, right? We're working on it. In the meantime, what do you do? Do you max out your credit cards? Do you take out personal loans? Our guest today, Karen Kahn, says absolutely not. And she is now providing an alternative called iFundWomen, a fundraising ecosystem for women-led startups and small businesses. I love Karen. I love everything that comes out of her mouth. I think she is a top-notch thinker. She is an icon. She has spent years in her career working at various major companies with top roles from Google to AOL. She's on the board of advisors of Girl Rising. She's also on the Springboard Media Council. She's highly respected and she's making a difference. She's a wealthy woman making a difference and helping the next generation rise up. Here's Karen Kahn. Karen Kahn, welcome to So Money, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Great. So serendipitous that we are doing this episode. I mean, we ran into each other for the first time a few weeks ago at uh, Women on the Move, which was, I've been telling my listeners about this JP Morgan initiative um, to provide inspiration to their female employees and clients around career and professional life and personal advice. And it was an, an incredible event. We were lucky enough to be seated pretty close to one another, started talking. Turns out we were both sort of fans of each other from afar. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And by the way, that JP Morgan um, Chase event was pretty unreal. I was I was kind of shocked. I was so inspired by it. Me too. They kind of, they set the bar. It's unbelievable. I loved seeing specifically how many diverse women senior leaders that they had who roll up to Jamie. Like, I didn't know that. I've been banking with Chase for both business and for my own personal stuff for honestly 20 years since I moved to New York. And I didn't realize how mission aligned they were to me and to iFundWomen and the things that I care about, which is obviously women in the C-suite, women investing in women, women entrepreneurs. So I was like fired up to be there. Same. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow, what they had. I was dying over her. Been, I'm like a longtime fan, like first time, long time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, I loved how she just kept it real. Yeah. And it really struck me when she was saying like she had a hard time raising venture capital in, you know, yeah, people you know, wanted to take selfies instead. They, it was like a bait and switch yeah. meeting. <laughs> sure, we'll talk about your business, but can I get a selfie for my wife? Exactly. Well, that's what happened on Sand Hill Road. So she raised, you know, her first sort of angel friends and family round from her friends and family, right? Because she's got a Paltrow. But then when she got into a real, you know, her A round, she was going back and forth, schlepping down to Silicon Valley 
to Sand Hill Road and to t- only to take selfies for people's wives, which I think is really, uh, I was quite ast- astonished at that. And I appreciated her candor because it is hard to raise capital for female founders. I mean, the numbers are egregious. We can just jump right into it. Yeah. But. I mean, this is a perfect segue to jump into iFundWomen, which is the company that you founded. You're the CEO. iFundWomen is a fundraising ecosystem for women-led startups and small businesses. It kind of takes the crowdsourcing platform and translates it into uh, the startup life, specifically women, female founders. How did you come up with this idea? Um, and I understand, you know, because this is, you know, these are startups and this is crowdfunding that the, the amount that you're raising, we're not talking millions of dollars, right? It's seed money. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just crowdfunding, which is the cool thing. So the problem that we're working on solving at iFundWomen is that, and you know, every founder will tell you this, that there's a complete lack of funding options for early stage entrepreneurs that don't put you into debt. So only 1% of all companies, regardless of the gender of the founder, will ever raise venture capital. 1%. So what do the other 99% of startup founders do to get their visions off the ground? They max out their credit cards and they take out loans. And we dogmatically believe at iFundWomen that no early, early stage proof of concept founder should go into debt funding their thing. You just shouldn't. 92% of startups fail and that's totally fine. But what isn't fine is failing going into credit card debt. And the reason that you know, my co-founders and I started iFundWomen is because we were our own customer. We are thy customer. Uh, this is our second startup. Our first startup was a spectacular failure. Uh, and we did everything backwards. So I grew up at Google and YouTube. Uh, that's where I worked from my mid-20s to my mid-30s. Then I went over to run uh, video monetization at AOL. So I always worked in big tech companies. And I can tell you that working at Google did not prepare me to be a startup founder or an entrepreneur at all. In Mm. fact, quite the opposite. I was brainwashed into thinking that my tech product had to be perfect from minute one. So there was no like MVP, beta testing, learning, you know, the way you really should do a startup, which is kind of lean startuping it. And we can kind of get into that, but just specifically why we started iPhone Women. So I was this founder out of Google and really was unprepared to, um, very, you know, scrappily and cheaply build a, an MVP that is ugly and put it out there for people to use and give me feedback on. And instead I spent lots of my own money, Mm -hmm. definitely went into debt, uh, funding this very sophisticated software that nobody wanted. And yeah. How do you go from that failure where you're in debt now to, to then willingly do it again? Solid question. So as a Hail Mary, so we were, when, when I say going into debt, I was, you know, fortunate enough to have had my own money. So while, you know, yes, I was putting money on my credit cards and I could pay them off because I was an early Googler and I'm rich, but that's not most people. And it doesn't, it kind of doesn't matter to the story. I was still spending my own money out of my savings or out of my, you know, retirement account to fund my startup, which ultimately failed. So that's going into debt as well. Most entrepreneurs don't have the you know luxury of having my career at Google and are just putting it on credit cards and they actually can't pay them. So as a Hail Mary to save the company, after two years of slogging it out, we did a crowdfunding campaign. And it was then that I realized, wait a minute, 
why isn't everybody telling entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, who, by the way, are better at crowdfunding because crowdfunding is about storytelling and marketing and selling. Why isn't everybody talking about crowdfunding as the first stop on every entrepreneur's journey to prove demand for their product or service before they invest in supply? And by supply, I mean wasting years of your life trying to chase an equity round or going into debt um, or just wasting your time uh, putting out a product or service that nobody wants, which is, was in my case. So I became like a crazy lunatic about the value of crowdfunding. And I started like Googling, like every startup founder does, uh, <laughs> crowdfunding platforms for women, uh, came up empty, nothing. I was like, how can this be? Like, why aren't there crowdfunding platforms for women? And also what I realized when we did our crowdfunding on another platform, there was no human there to like teach us how to do it. And we just had to figure it out on our own. There were, um, there was nobody to help you with your marketing and your video and all the pieces that you need to crowdfund because crowdfunding is honestly just sales and marketing, but nobody tells you that. So we pivoted our team and we built it. And that's how I fund women came to be. Wow. Tell us how it works. So I go on, I fund women. I'm a fledgling entrepreneur. I'm looking for capital. What are the success stories? Like I want to know how it works, but also like how to know if I'm actually the right candidate? Yeah, that's a great question. So our market is every single female entrepreneur who is ideating, building, launching, pivoting, or marketing a product or service. There are 111 million of us around the world. So in terms of qualifications, you can just have an, you can be idea stage or you can be a fortune 100 brand doing R and D. So in anything in between. So the, the premise is that you are raising capital to get your thing off the ground. You can be a side hustler. You can be someone with an idea, someone with a passion project. You can be a legit startup. You can be a VC backed company, a brand. It really doesn't matter. The whole purpose is for you to raise debt free capital to fund your project. So anybody can come and crowdfund. And so when you come to the platform, you've a choice of two paths. If you have crowdfunded before and you know what you're doing, you can get started raising money right away with our self-service platform. Um, and if you need help and you've never done it before, you can click the get coaching button and you can sign up to get coaching from our humans who will literally teach you how to do it. We've built a whole suite of tools and products and services, both free and very inexpensively priced. You can go in two different paths, but there's tons of free resources and tools and humans to just literally help you do it. This is, it's not rocket science. It's truly just sales. That's what I learned about crowdfunding. You are selling your product, your service, your mission, your vision, or your dream to people who you know in your personal, professional, or social network who want to buy into it in exchange for cash. That is technically what crowdfunding is. On top of that, we also offer grants to our crowdfunders. So there's an extra layer of capital. If you're a high performing crowdfunder, you will be exposed to both grants that iFund Women does on a weekly, on, I'm sorry, on a monthly basis and also sponsored grants. So there's brands all over that want to fund female entrepreneurs. And so our sponsored grant program is relatively new but it's taking off really fast because we are the conduit to female entrepreneurs who are building cool stuff. We're at this point now, though, in the fundraising era. It was, it's been quite the boom for some people. For the 1%, it's been pretty good. Um, yeah. 
But now we're hearing about overvaluation and I think the next um, shoe to drop, there's been a bit of a bubble, right? It's been pretty frothy. Yes. People just like giving money. I mean, on the one hand, it seems like no one's getting any money. And on the other hand, it's like, you know, billion dollar valuations, WeWork, uh, Peloton. These are bigger companies, obviously, than that, are, that are coming and, to you. But do you, how, how do you think that impacts a platform like yours? Do you think that actually helps your business in, in terms of being able to help people because maybe now the traditional ways of getting capital are, are, are freezing up. Well, so what, I don't know if you heard me Lord of sort of chanting in the background was men, 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 men. <laughs> so, so, okay. Let's talk about the 1% of companies who are raising venture capital. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2018 companies with a female founder received 2.2% of all venture capital dollars allocated. Companies with a founder of color received 0.2%. So, uh, you know, we read the press and we see all these, we see some great stories. So there's, you know, the Glossiers, the, you know, Rent the Runways, um, 23andMe. There's a lot of awesome unicorn stories of women founders, which are amazing. And we need more, 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 right? Right. Then there's a ton of, you know, terrible stories in the press like WeWork, um, and Uber and Peloton and these super overvalued IPOs that or non IPOs in the case of WeWork, but in Uber's case that are that are tanking. So there's a lot of noise in the space in the venture space, and we're really focused on women. And quite frankly, Farnoosh, we're focused on the 99% of companies that will never be VC appropriate. Or I shouldn't say never. Actually, it's interesting because we just did a study on our alumni. Um, on iPhone women alumni in our first like two years of being in business, 32% of our alumni go on to raise venture capital. So we're exponentially preparing entrepreneurs for their uh, follow on capital raises, you know, more than other platforms are doing that. But just to kind of cap off the discussion around Mm -hmm. VC and the noise in the space um, there, it's, it's a few, it's a few companies mail run that are creating the noise and it's not great for anybody that's raising VC. Um, and there are valuations that are way overinflated. Um, we haven't heard of a women run company with an overinflated valuation yet. Bet on the ladies. Bet on the ladies. We're always going to be more conservative with our numbers, Mm -hmm. which is, I think a good thing in the long run, because our investors are going to see more return than they expected. In fact, first round capital recently did a study on the, um, the companies in their portfolio, about 300 companies. And they found that the companies with a female founder on the team performed 63, drove 63% higher returns for the fund than the all male teams did. Wow. So women, we are, you know, our brains are functionally built different than men's. Our synapses are longer. Um, and we, you know, are more strategic and thoughtful and yes, risk averse. However, when we decide to take the risk and jump into the pool, of entrepreneurship and running a business, we're exponentially more successful because we've thought through everything and we're going to be more conservative in our projections and yes, drive higher returns for our investors. I'd much rather be in that camp than in the opposite camp, which is what we're seeing with WeWork. So if I am someone who is contributing to a startup through iFundWomen, what is the relationship? What am I expecting from giving money to a startup? It's a great question. You are getting... You're buy, it's think of it as e-commerce. You're buying a product 
that they're selling, a service that they're selling. You're buying into their mission, their vision, their dream. So you're getting, you could get anything from a social media shout out to good feelings. You were, it's not an equity investment. So um, there's two kinds of crowdfunding and a lot of people don't know this. So I think it bears just like talking about there's rewards-based crowdfunding, which is what iFundWomen does and which is what Kickstarter does, which is when you're selling your product, service, mission, vision, dream to people who you know, who want to buy into it in exchange for cash. And then there's equity crowdfunding where you're doing the same exact thing, literally, in exchange for equity in your company. So you're ending up with, you could end up with 500 people on a cap table if you do equity crowdfunding. Um, seed investors love rewards-based crowdfunding because it's a positive proof point for your business that A, you have customers, B, you have revenue, C, you have traction, um, it's great marketing, and founders who can crowdfund have grit. And you know that someone that has crowdfunded and put themselves out there publicly to uh, say, I'm doing this business and I'm raising my first round of capital on iFund Women, a successful iFund Women campaign is much more likely to go out and raise traditional VC because those VCs love that grit and mm. they love the traction that they're seeing. Conversely, when you're going to a VC after doing equity crowdfunding, they're looking at a very messy cap table and it's not super appealing. It's proof positive. They've already gone through that sort of foundational step. Um, yes. They've got traction. Shifting gears a little bit, I want to ask you a personal question. And you may not have even realized you said this earlier. I, a positive like halo <laughs> ha erupted in my, in my studio here. And I, by studio, I mean my bedroom. Um, <laughs> you said, I'm a rich woman. Yeah. I love that. Can you please let's can we like magnify this because I think I just sure. actually just posted on Instagram. As long as my mother isn't listening, she gets so <laughs> mortified by when oh. I talk about money on my Instagram or wherever. I have no problem talking about it. In fact, we should all be talking about it. Yeah. So yeah. yes, I'm happy to talk about it. Ask me any question you want. Okay, because this dovetails an article that I just was quoted in in Well and Good called "Why All Women Should Be Saying They Want to Be Rich." You're, you, you're past that. You are rich and you're saying it without skipping a beat. Were you always comfortable with it? Well, I'm a self-made rich woman. I did not grow up rich. I grew up very sort of lower middle class in Canton, Massachusetts, um, two working parents. Um, my biggest luxury, and I, and I really, this is a luxury, is I didn't have a student loan. But I'm a 45-year-old woman. I was an early Googler and made a lot of money when Google went public. Um, and then I went and ran uh, video at AOL and made a lot of money over there. They had to buy me out of my Google golden handcuffs after 10 years. I went over to AOL. AOL stock was like in the toilet when I arrived and it, you know, 10xed um, by the time I left. So I made a bunch of money there. Um, so I am a self-made woman, very proud of it, um, you know, and I have no problem talking about it. The reason my mother doesn't like me talking about it is because she thinks it's like, you know, we come from very modest means and that's cool. Um, and she, I don't know, I think it just, it's unladylike, you know, women of that generation and Sally Krawcheck talks, talks about this all the time. It's, it's not in the olden days. And even now, like there's a lot of shame around talking about money. People think you're being braggy, this, that, and the other. Um, and I'm, I'm not being braggy. I'm just stating facts and hoping to inspire other women to like, feel that it's okay to just want to be rich. Like it's fine to want, I didn't want to be rich. Like I didn't like grow up thinking, Oh, I want to be rich. In fact, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I was like the total, like I wasn't aimless, but I really 
did not have a goal when I was a kid or a college kid. I was just having fun. I was just a literally super basic Becky, regular kid uh, <laughs> from Canton, Massachusetts, who went to, you know, University of Wisconsin, big state school. I went there because it was the Big Ten. I was in a sorority. I partied a lot. It was like I literally, not that I wasn't ambitious, but I wasn't one of those kids senior year in college who was interviewing at, um, you know, the um, either going to business school or law school or interviewing at any of the consulting firms or the, you know, the investment banks or the advertising agencies who were coming to the University of Wisconsin to, to recruit. I was like bartending and moving to Italy with my bartending earnings. Like my parents couldn't pay for it. So I was like, I'm going to go live in Italy. I took Italian in my senior year of college. I'm like, I'm going to live in Italy for a year. And so that was like me. It wasn't, it wasn't that I wanted to be rich. Um, when I moved to New York um, at the beginning of sort of the digital revolution, and then when I went to work at Google, um, I went to work at Google because I knew that the internet was going to be driven by performance-based advertising. And this was back in, you know, 1998. I wasn't at Google at 98, but I was at salon.com in 98 and I was selling banners. And I noticed I was selling these banners and nobody was clicking on them. And the people that did click on them didn't do anything when they got to the websites. So I went to my media buyers at the agencies in New York and I was like, hey, what performs well on your media plan? Can I see your plan? And they showed me the plan. They're like, the only thing that does well is search. And I sent my resume to Lycos, Alta Vista, and Google, jobs at google.com. And this was back in, 2000, in early, in late 2000. And I got an email back and was hired at Google in early 2001. So, you know, and, it, and, it, and the rest is history. But I didn't grow up wanting to be rich. I didn't grow up rich. But in the process of becoming rich, um, I also became a feminist because what was happening at the same time that I was sort of rising up at Google and getting rich through Google. Um, YouTube was born. YouTube was born or at least acquired by Google in 2006. And I was watching just the complete misogyny and rape culture that was being birthed from the comment section on YouTube. And I was working on, on in sales at YouTube, monetizing creators. The only creators I had to monetize that had scale were, uh, were young men, young white boys who were making gaming videos. That was my job, monetizing them. It was not fun. And <laughs> Justin I was like, Bieber. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, um, I'm a feminist now. Like all of a sudden it all just came together. I'm like, wait a minute. I want to make money for women and women only. I have money. I know how that feels. It's freedom. It's power to make any decision you want. Mm -hmm. And I want that for female creators. So you know, my story isn't one that's like, I wanted to be rich. It was more like I got rich and I became a feminist at the same time. So then I, and I have a big mouth. So that plus that equals that. Do you think you can be a feminist with a capital F if you're broke? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what does feminist with a capital F mean to you? Well, okay. So this comes from an article that I helped actually a friend of mine write. I didn't write it, but we kind of came up with the idea together. She was trying to figure out she was trying to gel her thesis around this. And we kind of, I was like, I think what you're trying to say is that you can't be a feminist if you're broke. And so to take a page out of that, what we really mean by that is, you know, at the end of the day, money is power and money, if you're a feminist and you don't have 
um, financial stability, it limits you from being able to create change for yourself and for others. You can't, for example, put money where your mouth is, right? Put money right. towards the people you want to elect. Um, you can vote for them, but maybe you can't donate. You can't um, give to organizations that are going to support feminist um, ideals. You can't, you know, invest in yourself because you're broke. So it's it's a very jarring state statement like really what are you talking about of course you can be a feminist uh, well here's how philosophically but like yeah tell me so we consumers all of us vote with our wallets multiple times a day so the easiest and best way to be a feminist is to literally shop women-owned companies and brands like it is really not as hard as we think to shop from women-owned brands or women-led brands or, you know, so if we're in the drugstore where it is a little harder because you've got like, everything is pretty much owned by like Unilever, P&G, Clorox, all the big CPG companies. So making decisions um, about buying products that are in the the drugstore really kind of needs to be looked at through the lens of like which which of these companies are treating their women employees the best, which have the best maternity leave policies, mm-hmm. which are the most feminist companies from a big corporation standpoint, right? Then there's the buying local. Like if we're buying, if you're buying shampoo and you're buying, you know, skincare and things like that, there are so many local women-made products that you can buy from. There's tons on Amazon you can buy from. So I think it's just being a more conscious consumer about buying women-owned as much as humanly possible, that's the easiest way that we can be feminist because everybody buys stuff. Everybody buys stuff. Yeah. We hold the purse strings, that's for sure. Yep. It is November and I have done research that finds that when we're grateful for what we have, we actually can become richer because we have that consciousness and that appreciation. So- this question is in partnership with our sponsor, Chase, asking guests this month, Karen, what is something that you're grateful for in your financial life? I love this question and it's spot on. I am grateful for the seed investors that came onto iFund Women's Cap Table from the beginning and believe deeply in the mission and vision to bring early stage capital to the female entrepreneurs who need it and who deserve it and who are outperforming their male counterparts, but are working with so much less. So I am eternally grateful to our seed investors um, and they know who they are. I'm not going to name them, (laughs) but that's what I'm grateful for. Well, congrats to you and your team on this second second act. You know, this uh, second time's a charm. The first <laughs> startup was actually probably it was it was all supposed to happen this way. Maybe I don't know if you uh, believe hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, the fail. If I if we didn't fail with the first one, we never would have started iFund Women. I totally believe in that, and I believe in failure. If you didn't fail, you didn't try. What's the next step? Uh, do you see a future where you're going to go even? Um, more for the piece of the pie that is venture capital. Do you want to you want to incorporate that somehow in iFund Women, or you want to stick with the platform that you have? So it's a great question. So we're actually building more financial services and products and tech products for our entrepreneurs. So we've got lots and lots and lots of women entrepreneurs on our platform who need funding across their entire funding journey. So while it starts with crowdfunding to prove demand, then we're also doing grants 
post crowdfunding to give them even more startup capital. Soon to come is going to be a loans product, which is going to really um, change the way uh, women are taking out loans for their startups, which is exciting coming in 2020. Um, and also shopping. So we talked about how anybody can be a feminist, no matter what you know socioeconomic uh, status they have by buying things that are women owned you will see a women owned marketplace on iPhone women coming soon so very excited about it Karen Khan thank you so much it's been a pleasure to finally have you on the podcast thank you for having me new friend i mean we should we need to like take the show on the road or something i mean i could talk to you for hours i'm learning so much thank you you got it thanks so much farnoosh i'll talk to you soon Thanks so much to Karen Khan for joining us. To learn more about iFundWomen, check out their website, iFundWomen.com. Karen is on Twitter at Karen Khan, C-A-H-N. And the company is growing. This is just the beginning. Exciting to see where they head to next. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'll see you right back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money. Money.